Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Bat Forest Radio. We've got a Bat Forest Tom. Yo. We've got Dunk. What up? And I am Robin Cross in Canada. And this week's guest, at this point, we really don't even need to introduce him uh, around these parts anymore. You know him for Batman White Knight, Punk Rock Jesus, Tokyo Ghost, Plot Holes, The Wake, lots of other stuff. And coming soon... Uh, a soon-to-be-live Kickstarter for a brand-new Zorro comic uh, being published by Massive. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, Sean Murphy. Hey, guys. Hey, man. Nice to see you again. And uh, last time I was here, it was like a uh, Hollywood Squares. There was nine, and now there's only <laughs> three of you, so this is a lot easier. Yeah, we killed a few. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Legends, Bosses. I mean, Gramps died of old age. Uh, yeah, yeah. Legends has got the shit going on. He's making more Sean Murphy pillows to sleep with. Uh, <laughs> Body pillows. Body those, pillows. Those, nice. those boyfriend pillows. <laughs> nice, man. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited yeah, yeah. to talk. I wanted to, uh, you guys reached out about Batman Beyond to do like a post wrap up type thing. And I said, yeah, let's do it when I've got Zorro to, to pimp. Uh, so here I am. Very nice. Sweet. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so we did touch on i think the last time you were here we did talk about the fact that you were going to be doing zorro stuff for a while but uh yeah now it's it's all out there the the kickstarter is it's up there people can can see the kickstarter right now if you go to kickstarter and search either zorro or sean murphy you can you can see the project there it's ready to go live how how has the process been getting ready for this oh it's been interesting um you know i I sort of wanted to try a new pipeline that started with plot holes I wanted to use Kickstarter or crowdfunding. I think I used Indiegogo for that. And then um, I was going to just wait to see if a publisher approached me to publish it through the direct market. And um, uh, why not? Or Massive Publishing came up to me and they're like, yeah, we would like to do this. So I ended up making a a three-book deal with them. Um, They're going to run the Kickstarter for me, which is nice. They're going to take care of the shipping and the printing and all that stuff and customer service for like a percentage, which is lower than the percentage than I, cause you said I had to do that stuff myself. Oh, okay. So they're going to do that. And then they're going to get a bunch of variant covers and play the whatnot game of collectibles and going on the auction site and doing that. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, they're in the direct market. They're, um, they're, uh, they're with diamonds. So you'll get it in your regular comic book shop too. So yeah, they're trying to, they're throwing a lot of different marketing ideas at me. And what I like about uh, them is they're trying to think outside the box um, and no publisher I know of is really using the whatnot apps, um, auction sites as much as they are. I know Boom dabbles in it, and you're seeing some kind of like crowdfund hybrids kind of go out there. But I don't think anyone's ever done it high profile in the way I would do it. So this is kind of the experiment. 
Wow, and that sure. one thing I, I want to note quickly on Massive Publishing is our friend Blake Northcott uh, was recently named the editor-in-chief over there, so congrats oh, to great. her on that. Yep, congrats yeah. to Blake. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think a lot of publishers are shrinking right now, but Massive is, is growing and expanding, so I'm curious to see how they do in the next few years, and if I can be part of that, then I'm, I'm thrilled. And uh, the, all this back-end stuff that they're taking care of is probably, uh, arguably, the most uh, labor-intensive part of it, you know, running the, the whole Kickstarter campaign and then getting yeah. all that shipping done. That had to have been a pain. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, um, they've done a few of these before. Uh, we're looking at the Berserker um, campaign, too, to see what the model of that was. And I think, like, comic book shops five, ten years ago would have been miffed by the idea of crowdfunding. But uh, the culture's changed a bit where I think comic book shops are fine with it. And however the books get to them, you know. So we're trying to offer like a retailer incentive. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do. But if you're a retailer and if you want to get in on the Kickstarter, we'll have like a discount if you buy 20 units or something like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it's that they're dealing with. So I don't have to bother with it this time, which is nice. So I'm just kind of letting them run with it and see what they can come up with. Yeah. And uh, yeah, with the the way that the crowdfunding stuff has uh, evolved, like even people that missed out on the plot holes campaign when that went, that's coming into comic shops now uh, and in single yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah. So the first wave will be plot holes uh, as single issues, and then they'll put out a trade later. But it's going to be different than the uh, Indiegogo trade that people got. Um, I find that they're just two different customers too. Some people just want to buy their books through their shop and not online. So I don't think it's, um, you know, taking customers from one side to the other. I think it's all additive. So plot holes is the first wave and then Zora will be a big, uh, will be a big deal. And then the third book, uh, we haven't announced yet, but, uh, yeah, I plan on doing these things before I might start getting back to Batman. Ooh. Hurry up. <laughs> I never mentioned Batman because I know that's mostly Batman podcast. <laughs> No, but people people love you, so they they follow you to wherever, yeah. um, including that. I'm, I'm pumped for Zorro. I'm like, I can't yeah. wait to yeah. see. Like, look at this. That yeah, is very uh, cool. I, I've never. Uh, I can't say I've ever jumped into a Zorro comic before, okay. but uh, yeah, this is definitely one that I, I know we're all going to get into. Yeah. So it's Zorro, Man of the Dead. There's a a Day of the Dead vibe, so I, I think this book should do oh. really well in Mexico and South America. Um. I've never really done a Western before, so doing this was a neat way to finally do my Western. Um, and I'm a big Zorro fan. I love swashbuckling and pulp characters, and I love Toth. Um, so, uh, yeah, I thought – I looked into uh, – Zorro is 102 or 3 years old, so I thought maybe it was public domain. And uh, it's not, so I contacted the people who own it, ZPI. And uh, I asked them, you know, I know you guys have a deal with these third-party publishers, but – would you be willing to make a deal with me? And uh, I would basically run the model that I ran with plot holes, but give it, you know, give me Zorro. So my plan is, well, if plot holes brought in, you know, a quarter million dollars, uh, a, a name like Zorro might bring in a lot more than that, especially if I had decent marketing behind me. So this is kind of like stage two of the experiment. Um, and uh, ZPI was, was very agreeable to this. They've been really easy to work with, you know, one of the dangers of licensing is you have people that own the properties and they're just in your face all the time making changes. So like as much as I'd love to do a Blade Runner book, I don't know who owns that, um, but it could be a giant pain in the ass. Whereas Zorro people are like, great, stop bothering us. Just draw the fucking comic. Send us, <laughs> send us a check, you know? 
So at the end of this, I'm actually wondering if they own anything else because part of licensing is just finding good partners. Um, so yeah, oh, nice. it's been a learning experience, but I, I think um, especially licensing is funny too. A lot of the smaller publishers and comics are starting to go under now. So I think in the next year or two, you're going to see a bargain on IP. Um, some, you know, if Boom or IDW or whoever loses the rights to something, I feel like it's a good time to scoop up that stuff. I mean, mm. I know there's sort of chaos going on right now, but I think that there's opportunity in chaos. So I know a lot of writers that are looking into licensing just to see if you know it can help their brand or it helps them shake up their careers in some kind of way. It's really fascinating because, you know, licensing used to be kind of a joke, like, oh, licensing comics, no one cares about that. That's kind of like the fast way to a dead end, but it's different now. I think there's actually opportunity with some licensing stuff. At least that's what I'm hoping. So, yeah, and uh, it, it is a messy time right now, and it'll be interesting to see how some of those smaller publishers do do uh, fair in this because un- unfortunately some of them might uh, lose a-, a lot of exposure with what is happening with uh, Diamond. The you know they've been the the distributor for comic shops for a long, long time. They were the only yeah. game in town uh, yeah. a few years ago during the I think when we were still on lockdown. Largely, mm-hmm. uh, DC left Diamond, and that yep. was a, a huge thing. They left and Lunar was created to uh, to distribute them as well as a couple others that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then shortly after that, Marvel followed suit. They went over to Penguin. Mm-hmm. So that really showed everyone, oh, oh, okay, we, we can do this now. So Image is on their way. Image is out now as of uh, next yep. month. Yep. Uh, IDW is gone. So, yeah, all, all of these uh, publishers. Yeah. So it makes me wonder what the future looks like for Diamond and yeah. what that means you know if if diamond goes away what does that mm-hmm. mean for some of these small publishers that their place has been diamond for a long time yeah and the biggest account that diamond has right now i think is boom yeah it's just a weird world we're living in because diamond used to be kingmaker they used to be yeah. you know they were they had a monopoly literally um and uh yeah i think covid exposed a lot of weaknesses in the industry that we were bound to address anyway. It just sort of fast-tracked to how um, fragile everything was. Um, you know, and when I remember when DC Comics pulled out of Diamond, you had people from Image saying that DC was a bunch of so- sociopaths for leaving, and why would you yeah. do this? And, like, they were going hard out to defend um, this, you know, Diamond, but now Image has left Diamond too. <laughs> so it's like... Uh, it's funny seeing people being bad at business exposed and having to eat their words and the, like the hypocrisy is on display. You know what I mean? Yeah. And dude, as someone that works in a comic shop and has dealt with diamond, hmm. all of these like lunar was a brand new company created yeah. to distribute DC. They were immediately better. Uh, yeah. Penguin is, is already better. So this so forever, every single week, the first line item on our invoice from Diamond was the charge that they apply to every shop every week for the privilege of getting your books the day before they go on sale. They charged you for that. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as Lunar and Penguin started up, we now get the stuff at least a week before and they don't charge you for it. (laughs) So I feel like competition is always good and I like a disruptor. And uh, I'm not, I don't know if the people who are running any of these companies are good or bad or evil or whatever, or if they're playing game theory. I don't know. 
Um, but I know when, uh, actually Robin, you'll know, um, uh, diamonds, uh, people were claiming that diamond was screwing them over for years, uh, because diamond gave like 20% discount within one month and then 20% more the next month. So it's like, okay, wait, if you claim you've been giving me a bargain all this time, how are you able to offer me 40% discount in two months and still be, still survive as a company? That's a little suspicious. Yeah. And I don't know if diamonds come up with a good answer for that. Uh, no, I, I don't generally see many answers from diamond on, on much of anything. Right. Uh, and you know, to their credit on their side, they didn't have any reason to give anyone answers for a long, long time. Cause the, what were you going to do? Oh, you you don't like it? You're going to go to someone else? Right. Yeah, well, they've been the big fish the entire time. So yeah. it's like, what are, yeah. what are you going to do? Oh, my bad. That's it. <laughs> but I <laughs> just, do... Just to go the order from us. For the people that are working there, that that's their livelihood, I, I do worry about what's going to happen to them. Cause, sure. So yeah. like, we're at, at this point because we're getting so much from... Uh, from Penguin and from Lunar and like now Lunar has added supplies so we're now getting bags and boards and comic boxes from them mm -hmm. we're at the point now of our diamond shipments some weeks are two boxes where before it was 15 to 20 Wow! Right. so that uh, how are you surviving you know, wow. as a company Yep. yeah I'll be interested to see what they look like in a year yeah so you said boom their biggest their biggest uh their biggest client is boom yeah that's so. uh, that's the biggest fish wow. now what diamond is still uh a wholesaler for marvel so they do still offer marvel but they aren't the best source to get it mm -hmm. uh they do still offer uh idw for example they do still offer they will still be offering image but they're just a wholesaler they're not uh the the distributor now mm -hmm. and uh, even new publishers so uh, there's uh many people probably haven't heard of them yet because they don't have anything published yet but there's that new uh a new publisher called distillery <laughs> right that is that is just uh what i think we're maybe this month or next month is their first sampler but uh immediately uh diamond is sharing them with lunar Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're not even going to be the sole source for, for distillery titles. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a, it's a crazy time right now. Yeah. It, I don't yeah, know. Like, this is a thing that's never happened. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure how many people care about this or are listening, but I, I think this stuff's super fascinating. Yeah. It's... And, uh, another thing that came from this change. So when DC switched over to Lunar, they changed to putting their books on sale on Tuesdays, you know, new comic book day for the past, you know, over a decade now, new comic day has been every Wednesday. DC switched it, started putting their stuff out on Tuesdays. When uh, Lunar made the announcement that they were taking on image. Now they were going to be images distributor. They announced that image books were also going to go on sale on Tuesdays. Oof. But then there must have been enough of a response to that. You know, comic people, comic shop, any business is uh, going to be to a degree opposed to change. Mm -hmm. So a few days, I think it was within a week 
of uh, there must have been enough of a response due to you know businesses not wanting to change that practice that uh, Lunar, yeah Lunar rescinded uh, or Image uh, I think it was rescinded that and said yeah okay we're gonna stick to Wednesdays so it it'll yeah. looks like yeah. it'll remain just uh, DC on Tuesdays yeah fascinating I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. So so many people probably don't care. You know, there are a lot of people listening that I just go into the shop once every couple of weeks and get my books. I, I don't care about yeah. any of this. Well, yeah. it's, it's hard to know how many people really care about any of this stuff online. Like, yeah, how many customers, Robin, do you have that really follow their creators on Twitter and really have an opinion? Oh, yeah. It, Ooh, it, wait a minute. That's a lot. Well, no, a, a lot. <clears throat> it still surprises me sometimes. So someone will come in to pick up their books and you know we'll so I'll pull their books out of their file drop them on the counter for them and say oh you should I'll point to the wall and say you should go check out you know such and such book right there mm-hmm. uh you'll probably uh want to read that uh, why would I want to re- well it's from you know it's it's a Tom King book like oh who's that oh you have loved eight other books he's written oh okay I didn't know you know that's the thing that happens all the time so I, I can't imagine how many people don't follow creators they like on mm-hmm. social media when the number that uh, you can see don't even remember, you know, who whose work they particularly enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it has to be less than 5%. You know, mm-hmm. all the importance that creators put into Twitter, all the drama out there, all the outrage, all the behind the scenes gossip. Mm-hmm based on social media i don't know if it actually matters to the normies who but there's so many trolls like there's just people out there that just like doesn't matter who you are they just throw shit out there and they're not fans or anything they just want to like yeah. rattle the cage right yeah i i will say um the majority of customers in the shop i feel like they find out about a title that they want to read from us telling them about it mm. yeah uh, and yeah. that's why uh image will give us uh, you know, PDFs on the FOC, the final order cutoff date, mm-hmm. so that we can read that stuff ahead of time. So then we read it and we tell customers so then they know to, to put it on their file and they know yeah. what's coming. I, I also, I don't know, like maybe it also depends on like the type of customer that you are too. Um, if you're not following creators online, you're sure as shit not caring about their drama online. Yeah, And so... And and I feel like I don't know, maybe it's, yeah maybe it's uh maybe it's just me personally the last yeah. year or so I feel like I haven't maybe it's I'm not investing in it or I haven't seen it I haven't heard much like yeah. drama the one thing though was um, here we go shout out to Clayton Crane oh um, damn <laughs> would love would love to have him on the podcast to talk about other things but that drama was probably the only thing that i was like holy fuck what what's this what oh sean yeah that that was some comic drama that may have had like some crossover Wait. appeal to normies dude oh, like jerry jerry springer oh, type shit, shit. dunks dunks dunk did you do you have what's that guy's comic shop called his like online comic black flag shop? do you have any ties to that like or did you ever work with anybody no no, no 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 not at all and this was around the time that wasn't what you were at the con where this happened, where it came out. Yeah, C2E2, uh, two oh years God. ago. Yeah, I was that there. Was... I saw it all. No. Yeah. Um, I didn't, there, there, there was a lot of drama that came about that between um, Black Flag's uh, ownership and um, Clan Crane. 
and ownership partnership wife. partnership right yeah, <laughs> yeah. the partnership and yeah. the wife um yeah it the started owner, i don't know the owner wrote it, Tom. i gotta keep my mouth shut the owner wrote this like first he wrote something on facebook and then he recorded like a selfie video and he went live basically talking about this love triangle um on the on the company on the company facebook he went live and like uh just it was like i forget how long it was it was like blair wish project with the snot coming out of your nose <laughs> yo bro it, the, it the was, guy was no I, yeah I wish Wait, I was that, does he fall asleep halfway through his rant or is that something was, else i don't know if that was something else no he no he was wide awake and okay it, it was a. Uh, yeah. It was awkward to watch. Like, you know, when you watch something on TV and you're like, you feel awkward for that person. And like, you're like, yeah, you don't want to see embarrassment. it. Yeah. But this is like legit, like live. And right. um, he just aired out all his laundry that was going on and um, self-incriminated himself mm-hmm. with things that were going on with Crane and yeah, and, wife brutal. and, and then, it was so just like, whoa. Now, anytime Clayton Crane posts on any social media, <laughs> there's at least one person commenting, Clayton, please fuck my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. That's why a lot of a lot of the oh, comments brutal. get turned off when you post stuff. But uh, <laughs> but it's like uh, it's been two years. It's been two years. Oh. But to yeah. his credit, he's staying on there and still uh, mm-hmm. using social media. Yeah. Remember when the whole thing went down? Most the most recent time that uh, the Matina stuff came out, I don't think he's gone back to social media oh, since. Oh God, Matina. But he's still working, still still getting yeah. gigs. Oh yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't been at a con this year though. Uh, yeah. Last year, I think his last con was in Tokyo. So um, I remember uh, there's an artist uh, named Jason Latour that uh, had some drama. He was grooming or something, and he got canceled. Oh god, oh, damn! I Do you feel know like I remember this. <laughs> I, I know that, the name, but uh, I don't recall the. We are in a laptop drama. He's not a big name. Uh, he's been around comics for a while. Uh, he was friends with Robbie Rodriguez and Ivan Brandon and those guys. Um, oh, his name sounds familiar. But I have, I have wasn't Robbie? Right? Wasn't Robbie Rodriguez also in his own thing? Yeah, he was in a thing. All those that whole clique got into. Oh God! Independently, <laughs> yeah, like it's like a group of guys not to hang out with. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Rodriguez took a photo of his own asshole and posted it on Twitter. Oh Lord! Uh, all right, all right. Well, I mean, uh, that's the right place for it. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, don't don't Google it. Don't Google. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna post uh, an asshole picture, the asshole of the internet is uh, an appropriate place. <laughs> but, but when people get canceled. And they, they disappear on social media. They still have careers. Like, what are you yeah. doing exactly? Like, Cameron Stewart had that whole thing. I know he's still drawing. I, I follow him on Instagram. Uh, I don't know what he did. I, I chat with him every now and then. I have no idea what, what's going on with him. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I kind of want to ask all these guys, like, what do you do now that you can't be on social media and companies won't hire you? Like, does this just go away? Do you have to, like, just, you know – yeah, you know, small, wait, small wait out the storm. Like, how bad was it? Can you get yeah. over it? Can you apologize? You know, and getting into like the Warren Ellis stuff, like how can he ever come back? What, how many apologies could he give before he can get his career? <laughs> I'm always interested in the math of all this stuff. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not, tough. It, it depends on who you are, right? I guess, because like if it's a, a story that continues to resurface, um, you have yeah. to like relive it over and over again. Yeah, and. It, it all depends. It's it's, it's weird. It's, it's kind of weird how it functions because social media is a different aspect compared to like back in the day. Back in the day, mm-hmm. when there was 
no social media. You did something wrong. You, you, you slept a night and waited mm-hmm. a while and you came back out again. Now it's like, oh, wait, you're the guy who did this 10 years ago. Right. Like, wow. Fuck. Yeah. Like Brian Wood, uh, Jesus, that's like 10, 15 years ago with the Tess Fowler thing. Um, oh, wow. It's funny because most of these people have been caught. Like, I haven't seen a big, compelling case against anyone for like three years now. A lot of people are people are starting to see that it's not very good if you do those things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's the thing, though. Because yeah. I I hope when any of these things come out, someone being accused of something, yeah. I I always hope that it's at least at least hope that they actually did it and deserve to be getting dragged through the mud because when someone gets accused of something the headlines all come out but if it's proven later that you know this was you know some kind of bullshit accusation just to hurt them there are never headlines about that you know that's going to be reported on page at the five-year career it's almost because we've seen so many of these cases now we're almost waiting for if you have one person accusing you of something uh Unless there's hard evidence, you're probably going to be okay. If it's twelve people saying the yeah. same thing, ooh, yeah. watch out! Or there's, you know yeah, I mean? there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. You know, yeah. And luckily for you, Sean, the only thing you've ever been accused of is being <laughs> too nice. Right? <laughs> well, how dare you? Yeah, yeah stop doing that. Extremely nice. More positive though. Something we saw. Um, you uh, you hung out on like a, I don't know if it was like a live cast or what it was with uh, Scott Snyder. We finally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. reconnected yeah. with them. Yeah, yep. I was I was really happy to see uh I now granted I hadn't uh, asked either of you, you know, if you had been talking to each other again, but uh I remember a while back it did seem like you guys didn't talk for a bit. So it was very uh, it was very nice to see uh Yeah. That no, it was never good. any kind of personal thing. It was just covid hit. Um he's super busy doing his thing. Yeah. Um you know, when I was working with him on his books and his projects whatever i was one of his guys it's just more to talk about um and when you write your own stuff you kind of take yourself off the board for a lot of writers so like i haven't talked to rick remender or millar or any guys as much just because they just don't need to chat with me because there's just not much work there so yeah it's it is what it is like it's i don't think there's anything personal ever you guys you guys all get so super busy with like all this stuff and like getting back to the the zorro thing did do you feel like with uh, what's the publisher's name again? It's whatnot, massive. but what is? So it's massive. massive. So massive's a t- traditional comic book publisher, but they have a uh, exclusive license to uh, use the whatnot brand, and okay. massive's using the whatnot stuff better than anyone else is, and they they kind of see that as a, a hybrid system, a way to sell books moving forward. So yeah, it's but it's true. People are like some people don't like whatnot. Some people love whatnot. But my friends who are like, oh, fuck whatnot, it's a bunch of tech bros, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but Massive's still like a traditional small publisher that's just trying to, to hammer it out, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not like I'm working with a $6 billion valuable mm-hmm. company to publish Zorro. It's a, it's a small operation that has a connection to whatnot. You know what I mean? Nice. With with plot holes, like you 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 did the, the comic, but then you had to do all the other shit that went with it. Because you were like, you know, printing it, shipping yeah. it. With this, do you feel like I'm done with the book? Now I can just chill and like, yeah. and, and and game plan the other stuff. Yeah, I can go. Here are the files. It's drawn. It's inked. It's lettered. It's colored. I have my own editor. I paid my own team. You guys run the Kickstarter. You do the marketing. 
I'll go to San Diego. Tell me where to stand. Oh, tell me where to sit. Tell nice. me where to sign. Uh, and uh, use your way of making money. Like you got me that's for nice. three books. Like make as much money on me as you possibly can, and then you know we'll take it from there. That's a sweet wow. deal because then after the three books, it's like, all right, cool. Do we continue this partnership? If, it's, if it goes well, and if yeah. you're not happy, you can move forward with something else. And yeah, I mean, not- my, my plan B was was Image, but I know what Image is going to do. That you know, their marketing is limited. They're sort of used to doing things a certain way. Where I kind of want to work with innovators and people who are trying to push something new, and even if it doesn't work, I just want to try people who've got new ideas right now. So that's kind of why I put my head in with uh, with Massive. That's cool. The uh, do you know of some of the like? Are there going to be like Kickstarter perks like there sometimes are for other other things? Yeah. So we're going to do uh, my plan anyway is to do. You can get a set of the issues, a package of all four issues. Um, There'll be different kinds of sets if you want different kinds of uh, variant covers. Some of the variants we're saving just for the direct market. We're going to have a soft cover available, hard cover available, uh, 11 by 17 uh, artist edition. But we're going to do that with um, uh, all 88 pages. So it's four issues. So it's like Holy 100 shit. pages. Holy oh, shit. So 100 pages of 11 by 17 raw scans. Um, we'll wow. do a deluxe. We'll do a black and white only version. Um, and I was going to do a version called the student edition, which would be the most comprehensive one where I would even write essays and go through lessons in the back on like how to set up blocking and pages and panel design. And just like the things that I know help me when I make comics that I don't get to talk about very much. It's kind of for students in a way. So I'm not sure what the price points and all those will be, but there'll be at least like five different versions of um, the cover of sorry of the books. We'll have a few goodies thrown in there too. I don't know if, if Massive's going to do T-shirts or. Uh, I've got. I bought forty uh, Zorro Funkos, which I'm going to sketch on the top, and I'll throw those in there too. I got them at a bargain because I know Funkos having trouble right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. They, they offered like they uh, sold. Um, they have these Zorro Funkos, and they're like, great. These are only four bucks each. Let's get rid of them. And like one guy bought four hundred, and they're like, what the hell? Who is this guy? <laughs> and I, I've got them all now. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna t- take some of those to San Diego as giveaways. That's cool. Um, Even yeah, I picked up one. I was like, I need Sean to like do a little Zorro on one of these because I'm like, it know, only makes sense. Yeah, I mean the flat hat on top is like a pretty good drawing surface. All things, all nice. things. Yeah. How how does it work? Like, uh, let's say, uh, well, I mean, I guess I don't know if you thought about this for plot holes too, but let's say the book does like fucking massive, right? And they're happy, you're happy. Mm-hmm. What about like beyond the comic? Any other physical media? Like, what if what if they're like, hey man, what what about like making an action figure or like a couple of action figures? Yeah. So um, the deal I have with CPI Zorro Productions Inc. is they get twenty percent out of everything I do. Uh, if my book ever gets turned into a movie, so for example, Tarantino has a deal with them because he really wants to do a Django Unchained uh, thing with Zorro. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but that's like one of the many irons in the fire that Tarantino has. So when the book is done, they're going to send a copy, I think, to Tarantino Ooh, just because wow. that, that, that's his right. So let's say he wanted to make it, and I, I don't think this will happen. But if they did, uh, whatever money they get, I would get 20% of that. So wow. it's a mutually beneficial type of thing. That's cool. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I have no illusions of grandeur when it comes to Hollywood stuff. It's just kind of a interesting thing to think about every now and then. Hmm. That would be very fucking cool. Yeah, that would be dope as fuck. 
That uh, the student edition you were talking about, that's a really cool thing because I think that would have a, a few venues, a, a few avenues of interest, um, not just, you know, people independently uh, mm-hmm. that are trying to learn how to make comics. But there's a university uh, here that does a comic book course. And I think mm-hmm. that would be a, a, a thing that he would uh, be oh, bringing yeah. in for, for students, you know, use that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So when, when I realized, um, so... I wanted to the, the 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 biggest version of this book would be the most expensive. So I was trying to think of like how to how to market it, and I thought, man, I know people who are students who will spend tons of money on books if it's educational. If you sell them a deluxe version of uh, uh, Zorro for two hundred bucks, they're not going to do it. But if it's behind the scenes, if it's how to, if it's a learning book, if it's basically a textbook. At 200, that's cheaper than most of their actual textbooks. 100%. And a lot of students are not spending their own money. They're spending their parents' money. Um, <laughs> like they'll spend tons of money on behind the scenes of like Zootopia and all these like Pixar movies. Like they've got all the money in the world for educational books. So if you brand it as an educational book, which it will be, that's why it's the student edition, I think that we can justify the higher, higher price point and give people their money's worth at the same time. Mm. That's kind yeah. of the plan. So the, you know, everything I'm doing from now on, I'm going to try to have a student edition. And I hope it kind of takes off because I think it's a pretty easy idea for a lot of creators to just justify the higher cost, assuming they put in the right amount of lessons, essays, you know, um, tutorials, teaching how to, you know, if they do comics their way. But yeah, it makes it, sense according to what you're saying. Because if you're, if you're teaching, you know, these comics, yeah people who yeah. want to get involved with in comic books, yeah. it's, uh, it's definitely worth it. I, I've seen people walk up to artists with their art and then like walk them through it and they're saying, mm-hmm. hey, listen, you're taking too long, walk away. Yeah. But now you mm-hmm. have a book that can show you and, and pretty much walk you towards like the thought process and why you have certain um, yeah. panels looking a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're definitely worth the price point because then it's like, oh, I don't have to go to a con. But if I go to a con, I have certain questions I can ask Murphy about right. this and yeah. not uh, take up so much time. Yeah, we'll see. I hope it serves people in different ways. Uh, it might not work, but that's just kind of what we're going with right now. I haven't seen anyone try it this way before, so I'm just curious to see if it gets traction. There's a, yeah. there, there's a market. There's There's definitely uh, collectors out there that their thing is like oversized – you know, like omnibus or oversized, like, yeah. um, you know, gallery editions and stuff like that. And they try to scoop up every comic that comes in that yeah. kind of format. So this will be cool because it's, it'll be one of the first ones that kind of like that, you know, for this yeah. kind of thing. So, but. and even just for comic shops, like we keep in stock on a regular basis, the Scott McCloud books, like, uh, making comics, understanding mm-hmm. comics. Right. So this would be a, a fresh sort of thing like that. Yeah. Something yeah, for that kind of high-priced item that's not for everybody, but it's for the super collector or gifts even. Um, the other idea with Zorro is it's it's a holiday book. So, Robin, every year Christmas rolls along. So I'm guessing you see a spike in Batman Noel. Oh, yeah, for sure. So for uh, Zorro, basically a Zorro Halloween book or Zorro Day that's of the freaking. Dead. So I'm hoping that every year we see this like spike of interest from South American countries. That's awesome. Super smart. And uh, so before I bring these ones, I've been showing for anyone watching the YouTube version of this, I've been showing images uh, that are up on the Kickstarter or ones that have been up on uh, on the Sean Murphy art sales uh, Twitter page. Uh, but there are a couple pages that you sent me earlier. And I think these are uh, 
but judging by the titles covers for yep. books three and four. Yep. So yeah, that's her. Here is number three. Oof. So Zoro Man of the Dead issue three. And Zoro Man of the Dead issue four. Mm. So Zoro Man of the Dead, uh how much do you want to talk about what the story is? So uh yeah, it's a mo- it's sort of like Don Quixote meets Narcos. Oh shit. So the main character Whoa, is okay. this kid who has uh he watched his father die and he has had a psychotic break. Uh and he's convinced that he's Zorro. So he's like as a coping mechanism, he's just convinced that he's Zorro and that the year is 1820. Um so he grows up learning how to fight, how to sword fight, how to do all these things. Um and, uh, and this village in Mexico is run by narcos, and it's you know obviously a really bad place. And the narcos killed his dad, so um, he gets sort of springs into action and starts murdering narcos and drug dealers with a sword. And you know it starts out as a joke, uh, turns into a really serious problem for the narcos because they're like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Why? I mean, he doesn't even have a gun. I mean, this, he doesn't know what a, a, a car is. He thinks it's a carriage. Like, oh, because he's so totally he, in the mindset. He's out of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in, the, in order for him to defeat the narcos, he's going to have to get the help of his sister, who is working with the narcos. She's a driver for them. So that's where the El Camino comes in. So uh, it's a brother and a sister reuniting to defeat the people that killed their dad. Um, yeah. Who's so, a- so it's a way to sort of talk about, sorry, the, uh, the legacy and the legend of classic Zorro while also bringing him into, uh, you know, modern day basically that's genius so i'm doing all these covers i'm getting classic covers i'm getting modern covers it's kind of a little bit of everything is the so, uh, is the narcos uh, sort of uh inclusion into this strictly because colleen loves pedro pascal so much <laughs> my wife yeah no but she's gonna say yeah uh yeah my wife loves pedro i mean who doesn't love pedro pascal um she actually just told me before uh, we were getting dinner. She's like, "If you go, because I'm going to San Diego alone this year." She goes, "If you go there, if Pedro Pascal is there, and you hang out mm-hmm. with them without me, I'm gonna fucking kill you." <laughs> and I go, "What makes you think he's gonna be here? I don't think Hollywood's gonna be there at all with the writer strike." She's like, "I don't care, but you just have a way of meeting cool people without me, and blah 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 blah." <laughs> just in oh, case. So I hope I meet him, and I hope she's mad. <laughs> we'll cut that part out. <laughs> That's fucking great, dude. It's probably going to happen. You never know. Dude, can you tell – I can't remember if you came on after that episode or after – I can't remember if you came on since then. Can you tell us how, like – we were talking to Brian Posehn, and he, like, walked off. And you're like, you know, I, I met him before, and I don't even think he remembers. Yeah, he's on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> you woke up. <laughs> what? Uh, God, this is like maybe 10 years ago. I'm in San Diego with some friends and it was like six of us to a room. Uh, so some of us were on the floor, you know, it was like a suite, but still it was, it was crowded. It smelled like BO and, you know, people were up till like three in the morning and uh, I'm on East like Coast nerds. time. So, yeah. So I was trying to sleep. So I'm like face down in the corner on the bed with my, a pillow over my face and uh, someone sits on my feet, and I wake up, and I look down, and, and there's anyone you don't want to see in the middle of, of a fever dream. It's like Brian Poussein staring <laughs> at me. He's like, oh, uh, sorry, I didn't know someone was sleeping here. And I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, is this a nightmare? Is this a dream? Is that this famous comedian? Like, I think I remember him from some, 
I think he's a Deadpool writer now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, I don't remember what happened after that. I think I just fell asleep. But yeah, it was a weird. Yeah, you know what? That's so funny. I mean, I, I mean, that's what I get for trying to go to sleep early to be an adult and everyone else. I mean, I all my friends had the party and pot room, so I guess it's my fault for picking the wrong friends. Yeah, that, that probably was right around the time when he started writing uh, yeah. Deadpool. Yeah, but you know, even if we're all there together, and if one of you's like, "Hey, Brian." Sean remembers you. Like, don't tee me up like that. He's not going to remember me. I mean, I'm sure he's been stoned and sat on a lot of feet before. <laughs> a lot of hotel rooms. And it wasn't the first time, right? Yeah. And that uh, that that reenactment uh, sounded just like him. <laughs> no, <you> thanks. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we saw him. He's going to bed early because uh, you said he had a family now, and his kids were there, and yeah. Yeah, he he different was type of he, Brian. He was uh he had done a show in downtown the gas lamp and he walked from the gas lamp all the way back to his hotel room and I was like dude why and he's like oh, I can't do exercise any other time of the day because I'm walking the floor and it's like <laughs> oh yeah okay that makes sense it's a pretty good so. impression yeah I'll yeah. That one. <laughs> yeah yeah but, you know now that Dan Dio is not in comics as much anymore you can't do your Dan impression <laughs> I I haven't had much well I haven't had much of an opportunity but he's doing something he's I think he uh, he took a job I took a job Sean I'm not gonna lie to you I've been kind of busy every now and then uh, I've been working with Frank Miller I mean what a dream uh, absolute passion project now uh, working yeah. with him I forget what he's he's like Ronan he's in, Ronan too something yeah. like that yeah yeah the, the the whole Frank Miller productions thing. He has a book too that was released. Yeah, I yep. got my own book. Thanks for reading. <laughs> I got, I got a sign. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the support, Dunk. I really do. It's readers like you, you know, the, the Wednesday <laughs> warriors. They come in, they buy the books. It's fantastic. Thank you, Dunk. <laughs> so besides him and Todd, who else can you do? Besides him and Todd, oh god, like comic people, you mean? Yeah. Comic people, I don't. Let me see. Like, can you do any other uh, image guys? Can you do Silvestri or? Eric uh, no, you know, I I started I started practicing uh, Liefeld, but I haven't done it in so long. You know what? Yeah. I got to brush up. I'll Ooh. start. I'll start it. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, uh, Jim Lee sucks. Jim Lee sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you don't have doing impressions, like if a guy doesn't have a thing. That he yeah. does look at the yeah. There's nothing some, to walk some, onto. Yeah, yeah. There has to be something you can exaggerate. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's yeah. why. Like, like Todd McFarlane is so easy. You just yeah. you, talk, you talk about baseball. I, I'll be honest with you, Sean. I bought that ball, that McGuire ball. I bought it for a million bucks ten years ago. People are like, it lost so much value after the uh, after that was was that that record was broken. I that 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 ball has made me ten times as much money over because of all the phone calls and all the meetings I've gotten because of the ball. I'm yeah. I'm good with it. You know, I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I stopped. You know, so he had a speech impediment growing up, and that's why he talks that way. <laughs> Well, now I feel like an asshole. Oh, and, now, and now Tom's <laughs> canceled. Jesus Christ. But I was talking, I had a podcast. And we're all done. I started doing an impression to his face. And he's like, and he was like, la- he was like, cool about it. He's like, yeah, I, when I grew up, I had a speech impediment and I, it took me a while to beep. That's why I oh. and I'm just like, oh, fuck. But you know what? Holy shit. I'll bet Rob Liefeld knows that too and doesn't give a shit because Rob no. is still happy to do impressions of Todd. Nonstop, he does it. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> Rob doesn't give a fuck about anything, honestly. Just be your impression to Todd. Yeah, and he the way he also describes him, he's like the way he describes him. He's like, oh man, he's like, I, 
in San Diego, walking the floor. This cool guy with this cool jacket and this cool haircut comes up. Hey, how's it going? Oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> I don't think I've seen a picture of Todd with a cool jacket or a cool haircut. So Liefeld, is, I think it was the first time that he ever met him. He says he was wearing like a denim jacket. He was trying to look cool or something like that. That was, I mean, back in the late 80s, though, that yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> What's so. the, uh, do you have any items of clothing that are too nerdy for real life, but you know you'll wear them in a show? Uh, I don't, I mean, it's like, not just like Batman shirts, I guess. Maybe what, it seems like you wear that shit all the time. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't think it's too, I wouldn't say there's anything too nerdy. Maybe yeah. like um, something that just no one knows what the fuck the reference is. And so it's like, yeah, but I can't say no, I can't say I do. I was, yeah. You know what's funny? Um, I, I took my kid to Disneyland earlier today and I saw a guy walking around in a, um, uh, the red shirt with the white print, I'm not Deadpool, or I'm sorry, not Deadpool, I'm not Daredevil. And I laughed because I'm like, people don't realize like, that shirt that's that specific shirt is literally a shirt from the comic from mm-hmm. like an arc and so part of me was like man that's so fucking nerdy that i know that yeah like yeah. you know yeah there's such a um good money to be made in like deep cut easter eggs uh yeah. days like i so my friend clay is so so into that shit and he'll wear stuff that's like a reference upon a reference you know mm-hmm uh, was... He wore like the itchy and scratchy shirt from The Simpsons, but it was the from one episode when it was like a Russian version of it. <laughs> it's really well designed, though. It looks like a Hitchcockian poster of Russian itchy and scratchy. And there's like one guy in the entire city of Boston that's going to know what the fuck that is. <laughs> yeah. That's why they wear it, though, is they want to see like it's like going fishing for nerds. Yeah. But like, like so it's... I asked them, like, when you wear that, when someone stops you in the street, are you like, Please ask me about my shirt. Please ask me about my shirt. Or you always caught off guard, like, what? What do you want? Or do you wear it hoping someone will like ping you in public, you know? Yeah. You know you know what I, I guess I'm more like that with like metal band shirts. Because mm. like there's some shirts out there for metal bands. The the band is so small and so like minute, you're surprised yeah. that they meet they might even have merch. And so when you see someone wearing that out there, it's like, oh shit, like this guy yeah. listens to he's like one of like maybe thirty people. That I yeah. that that <laughs> in existence that are fans of that band, yeah, they can get really nerdy with that. Yeah, but it's almost like street cred and people not knowing your cool shirt. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to segue off of you uh, mentioning Clay there. So Clay is a a, a part of the uh, creative wheel of uh, Batman White Knight Generation Joker, along mm-hmm. with uh, along with Katana and Mirka and Dolfo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one started off great. Uh, sort of, it, it, there's sort of like a, a bridge between volumes of White Knight. So this one is exploring mm-hmm. uh, the children of Harley and Jack. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so, how much of the story is just this is what they came up with? How much of that uh, was like a seed that you had planted? Yeah. So the three of us sat down, and I said. If you guys want to keep working, then here's the book that I would like. It would be a uh, Joker's Kids spinoff book. So you've got Joker's children are kidnapped by the Joker. He uh, basically down uploads his body into a Batmobile. It's basically like Knight Rider uh, kidnaps his kids and takes them on a road trip. Um, that was my pitch. And then Clay and Colleen came up with like who should the villain be? 
Uh, Colleen wanted to put in some Harley and Ivy because we never really got to address them. We had a bunch of books uh, in the White Knight universe that were sort of greenlit until COVID. And one of them was going to be a Harley Ivy. So uh, because it didn't happen, we're sort of taking some of that stuff and, and putting it into the book. So, yeah, like even though the, the, the seed of the idea came from me, um, you know, they sort of just took it from there. And, uh, you know, I read over the scripts, and look at, you know, check in from time to time, but it's mostly their baby, uh, which is mm-hmm. how I need it done because my bandwidth is stretched so thin doing my other things. Like I'm really not around uh, to help out that much. Yeah. So Generation Joker, there it is. It's out now. I think issue uh, three is going to hit next. Merca's doing an awesome job on the art. Um, kind of a different sort of like a manga meets YA type of style. Um, it's funny. When you follow Merca's uh, drawing on Instagram, she draws the best boobs I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, like They're like floppy B-cup boobs, but they look real. And like the, the bump, I don't even know the different parts of the boob actually <laughs> they're yes. amazing and i feel bad because i'm like she's like oh great this book's awesome like i can't wait to draw joker's daughter i'm like well she's 12 so maybe you don't focus on her boobs that much yeah so you, I can't, love you can't draw her like she's in sweet paprika i know mm, i know yeah. i feel bad like i think murka signed on thinking she could to draw some sweet titties but uh it didn't work out that way yeah maybe for some of those other creators that would, yeah. that would uh mentioned earlier but yeah um, yeah it's uh yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So uh, Generation Joker has given us uh, some. We're getting some pieces of continuation from where uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight ended. Mm-hmm. With you know, we got the introduction of what looks like it could be uh, the what we know, know as the Justice League in traditional uh, <clears throat> comics. Yeah. So you you had mentioned earlier that you know the this. Uh, massive stuff would be before potentially doing any more Batman. So yep. you obviously yeah. have uh, you know in mind what the next chapter is going to be. How much of that do you think we we get teased throughout Generation Joker and how long do people yeah. expect to wait before they might see uh, some info on another volume? So yeah, the biggest tease for my next volume would be um, Wonder Woman, uh, Diana Prince and uh, John Stewart as the FBI agents. Mm-hmm. Um don't expect them to get their superpowers by the end of it. Um, but I, I definitely wanted to tee them up for a, a possible volume four of uh, world's finest white knight. Um, and the idea, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I'll, I'll tell you again, I'll spoil volume four for you. If you guys want, um, <laughs> we're fine. Here we go. But, uh, so, uh, in volume four, Batman is like 60 Clark is 20. So the first half would be Bruce, researching Clark, terrified of what Clark represents, and uh, discovering the Fortress of Solitude and figuring out a way to defeat Clark Kent. And he does. He's able to suck Clark's powers away using the Fortress of Solitude, just like in the uh, Richard Donner movie. Um, When he sucks his powers away, he sets off a beacon. uh, And inside the Fortress of Solitude is like a stargate. And Bruce realizes, oh, shit. All right, I just defeated this kid. That's good. But this computer screen is telling me that there's a bunch of people headed this way called Kryptonians, and they're pissed. Uh, and I just neutralized the only kid that might actually have helped me. So part two will be him and Clark forced to work together to go through the Stargate and to get Clark's powers back. And uh, when they go... Um, 
the computer program that runs the Fortress of Solitude zaps the entire science team, like their support team when they go in the, star, the Stargate. So all the scientists, all the military people, whoever, like, you know, in the movie Stargate, they all get zapped with, like, the gods of Kryptonia. So one of them becomes the Flash, one of them becomes Wonder Woman, one of them becomes Green Lantern, one is, you know, whatever. So you basically create the Justice League in a new way in an instant. Um, so it's kind of like a Justice League for people that don't, that like the characters, but don't really care about the, the past in a way. It's like the White Knight's version of the Justice League. But it still feels true to Justice League because Diana is still from a weird island in Greece. She's still from a culture that feels like very Wonder Woman. And uh, I'm going to find ways to make it feel very familiar. Um, so that's kind of the setup is uh, can Bruce and Clark manage to get along long enough for them to get Superman's powers back? And when they come back, there's basically a Justice League waiting for Bruce Wayne to take charge of. Or maybe it's Diana Prince, actually. But the uh, the thing that's interesting, though, is uh, this new Justice League, Clark might be the most powerful one, but he's the youngest, and he's got the most to learn. So it's like future books would be the Justice League run by Wonder Woman and Batman, but they're basically teaching Clark what it means to be a hero and how to be very careful with your powers. That's kind of the loose outline of where I'm headed. It'll be more of a hard, hard sci-fi, like 2001. You know what I mean? Very cool. But yeah, for, for all that, we would sort of not get into Harley or the Dick and the other Robins and stuff. It would sort of be a new type of, uh, you know, same universe. It would be a continuation, but it would have a different flavor than the rest of it. Yeah, it's. I love how you have continued to, like, kind of not give a fuck and just do your universe the way you want to do it. Yeah, and thanks. That's like the thing. Like that's that's something that I was um, refreshing on um, the latest White Knight volume uh, Beyond, and I was reading through it, and I remember being like, "Man, like this is like I feel like certain fans, right? It's like, oh, this isn't the same. Like fucking Sean, you know? Like some <laughs> there's like some fans that are like that, but me, I'm like, God, like this is so cool because it's like I don't want the same shit over and over again. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have a completely different take but with remnants of what i like just kind of done in a different way yeah and um it's really it like literally is like your universe you have done whatever you wanted with it and like when you do something it's like no that's that's it that's what happens there and like there's repercussions and there's fallout and that's the way it's gonna go like you know it's it's different you know it's not how it used to be thanks How, how much uh how much have you like have you seen any like pushback from fans at all or or do they? Do you feel like they appreciate what you're doing? I think most people uh, appreciate it because I'm not the main line. They give yeah. me a, a lot of room. Uh, I'm very lucky to be where I'm at. Like I didn't even plan it this way. I was just supposed to do one volume of Batman and then go back to working with Scott. Um, but the book took off, and I think people they know I'm a hard worker and I'm doing the best I can. They respect my career, and I think, for example, I killed Alfred. The same year that Tom King killed Alfred, Don't and everyone like counts, so counts, long ago. You know, counts. you know how much shit I give to Tom King every time I see him. My sure dog is named Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alfred, he's right there. I'm not, he, every time you see me looking Tom, away, I'm just Tom. You gonna kill my dog? <laughs> I'll kill my dog. Yeah, that's no. what I'm gonna tell him at Terrific Con. I mean, kill Tom. Uh, I don't bring my dog over because uh, his name's Alfred. Nice. I <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I. I I saw everyone attacking Tom and people were like, man, why couldn't Tom do what Sean did? 
like i like the way sean did it better and it's like i appreciate that but keep in mind i did it in an elseworld where it doesn't really matter so you're open to the way i kill yeah, Alfred, a little different it, the way you did true. it yeah well i feel bad for tom like there's no good way to kill Alfred where people are going to be happy like absolutely not so i feel like because of the universe i've set up it gives me a, a wild card where people judge on a on a, a grade basically and i think most people are pretty kind mm-hmm. um it's funny with my universe either it's people's favorite or one of their favorite batman universes or they fucking hate it <laughs> and they they hate it because they just hate the idea it's mm, not like true. they find it confusing or they find it offensive or they find it illogical they just don't like the idea of joker being a good guy and batman being bad they don't like the chances it takes it's just like you know when you meet someone new and they give you their political opinions and you realize very quickly oh i don't think you and i can just i just you never swear yeah so hey. it's not like if and it's actually lucky for me because if they had legit criticisms like i don't like the dialogue this book is trite i can see where it's going like those things would really bother me but the venom <laughs> that they attack it with it's like whoa okay this is just not your book and it's yeah. okay dude you know that's yeah. it move on yeah yeah, I, yeah, I think um, it's it come to it. the point where, like, um, we, we have the type of comics, we have Batman. I feel that there's a, a, a small group of us, not a small group, because it's, it's growing. It's, it's exponentially growing. And the more people I talk to about your White Knight universe, they can't wait to see what else is going to come out from it. And I, I think, um, like you said, like, you're all supposed to do, you know, just Batman. And mm-hmm. I was about to move forward. And now we're at... Um, we're at uh, Joker's uh, Generation Joker. Yeah. As you continue growing from there, and I, I think yeah. because of the growing population of what you're going through, I think it's going to be like the third thing that everyone's looking at between yeah. um, Detective, Batman, and now the White Knight universe. Yeah, it worked out that way. It's- um, I remember seeing at some point somebody was like, I don't know if it was the same group of people, because you, you've seen this, man. Like the, the fact that you said, you know, at some point we were supposed to have the Harley um, Poison Ivy book. There's yeah. a whole fucking group of fans that like all they want is Harley and Ivy team ups. Yeah, you so know, ready. yeah. And so hearing yeah. that um, that you yeah. had that in, that in store for like a full like like storyline, they're probably going to send death threats now to DC yeah. Comics, knowing that they didn't greenlight it. But mm. uh, I remember it's, it's still not going to stop from happening, right? I guess we'll see. You never know. So. Uh, uh, this is, you might, you're going to find this interesting. Uh, yes. I had three books ready to go to spin off of volume two. So I hadn't done Beyond yet. Curse had finished up, and we wanted to do a Nightwing uh, Batgirl book where they get together. Hell yeah. Mm. We wanted to do Harley Ivy and we wanted to do something else. Um, and this as COVID was hitting. And the uh, had the artist who agreed to do um, Night, the Nightwing one. And she ended up pulling out after i started getting attacked so she's like i respect you sean i love the art i just i don't do well with drama i have anxiety like i just you know so dc was like very worried like man no one wants to work with you and i said guys first of all like i don't think i did anything wrong it was was twitter dude yeah twitter it was also it was also because um this was so wild i remember now you like you put out an outline about like Here's how to be good to your customers. Yeah, and then oh, yeah, people that. were like, "Oh, he's Comicsgate now. Oh, he's <laughs> Comicsgate," and you're just like, "What?" Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I I don't know what that meant at the time. I just I've always been pro customers. Like I, Comic Skate stole that from me. Then, yeah, you know, dude, one hundred percent. Because no, it's true. Like you put that outline out, and it's true. Comic Skate then was like, oh, look at what Murphy's saying, and then people are like, yeah, yeah. So it's like you made that little outline or that yeah. thread on Twitter, and yeah. yes, they took that. But it's not like you weren't writing their manifesto or something. No, yeah, no. And, and I, all I, Comicsgate I, was doing is, oh, here's here's a pretty coat of paint we can put over top of our pile of shit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that they locked on to me because they thought I was going to be Comicsgate, and I'm not a conservative. Like I've got some liberal and some conservative views. Like I've got friends who have guns and hunters and people who voted for Trump who some wish they hadn't. Like I, I'm very much like not a centrist, but classic liberal. <laughs> Uh, and uh, on Twitter, we talked about this before, but you just have yeah. to toe the line, just do mm. what everyone else is doing. And I'm like, I'm not going to let you guys tell me what to do. Like, they're mad that I'm not mad. Like, I have a lot of opinions on Trump, but everyone else is saying what I already believe. Like, why do I need to get involved with this shit? So yeah. people were just trying you get loud. to come after me. Yeah. yeah. So it got to this artist. She was young. And she she put more stock into social media than I think is fair. And I think she knows that now because afterwards she she apologized and. And I said, don't worry about it. Listen, you know, my, as the guy who's leading the White Knight universe, it's my job to make it a welcoming environment for talent. And if the way I tweet and the way I am uh, online disrupts that, then I need to revisit that. I don't agree with how Twitter is right now, but clearly me being the way I was was not okay with most people. So it made it uncomfortable for her. Now, I think it was silly, but it meant a lot for her to turn down a, a good paying gig so like yeah, i don't blame her tough. at all yeah. and then i nope. think if i invited her back she'd be happy too yeah. but you know i mean when people are dogpiling you know when twitter's out of control it seems like the whole yeah. world's falling apart like it was the sound of the times it, it's yeah. tough because um yeah you know twitter is 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 yeah. and was still popular right and uh depending on your age range it it, yeah. it took a huge toll on whatever your mindset was that time period yeah yeah. So, you know, I moved on and I knew like, well, I don't have any skeletons in my closet. Uh, I think this is just going to blow over. I think they're just, people are just going to wear themselves out. And at the end of the day, my books sell. I'm a generally nice dude. The quality is as high as it can be. I'm reliable. I think I'm just going to win this with hard work. And that's basically what ended up happening. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the ideas that were in those three spinoffs ended up getting filtered into Beyond the White Knight and uh the generation joker basically so that's why it's it's it feels a little disconnected is because there was this COVID hit and then some political stuff hit but uh yeah i'm doing the best i can <laughs> it, it 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 helped to nice. like infuse there was a lot of like i mean you know obviously it's sad that okay we could have had those spinoffs that would those would have been amazing like it would have been a, amazing to see those fleshed out but it also kind of infused a lot of like what the fuck into the white knight stuff because you know there's a lot of moments like that with um with the yeah. kids or with you know all of a sudden i remember being like like barbara and dick have a fucking kid i mean this is like that too, you know like, <laughs> you got a five-year-old kid what the fuck like, and you're yeah. learning about you know what that's that's cool too though is that you also scratched a couple of itches for some fans such as like dick and barbara like getting together right mm -hmm. and like yeah. something happening of that there's there's things that and that other... tension the entire time between them it's yeah like, there's yes. like rules right there's like yeah. there's like rules for certain universes that you just can't break and yeah. it's like well this is mine so I, i'm gonna fucking break them and you did and i think that was part of the refreshing stuff oh thanks yeah 
Yeah, uh, for the the Batman, sorry, the Dick Bab stuff because we couldn't get into like the real time, uh, you know, sequence of what happened with them. We had to sort of treat it like they had this relationship, but now it's falling apart because Dick is so focused on the police and policing Gotham, and then you've got Bab, who is more into like classic policing, and she's into people's rights, and you can, you know put on left versus right as much as you want. I mean, it's all it's blended together, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it made uh, Dick was fortunately the antagonist for most of beyond. And it was just basically a misunderstanding. But uh, if I kept saying, saying to people, if you're fans of Nightwing, then you're going to continually be upset at white Knight because I don't do Dick any favors. Like he's sort of, uh, he gets shut on a lot in curse and uh, he's sort of the bad guy <laughs> and beyond. If you hang in till issue six or seven, well, he's angry. I think it's six. Flips around. Oh, yeah. six, six and oh, seven. Anger. Yeah. yeah. So he manages to turn it around. And I remember drawing the page in the hospital when uh, yeah. he's coming to, and he and uh, Babs finally kiss and I'm drawing the, the kissing pa- panel. I'm like, this really has to sink in because like, Fucking Nightwing people are mad at me. Batgirl people are on the fence. I've like teased these two. Like this kiss has to be great. Yeah. So I like have her on top of him. So it's like she's above him. So she's empowered. And it's not male gazy. Like I was doing all the math in my head. So, like, <laughs> it's not really <laughs> hit it. Hit the full tie on that. So, like, oh man! And everyone's mowing crazy. They're like oh my yeah. god! Finally, after all this time, Dude. he understands yeah. us. <laughs> I want to know. You know what? I really what I would like to do is track down the people because the was it curse. Or was it beyond where you like uh, you put up the pages for sale like same day, like on most of the uh, most of the run or something or yeah. most of the issues and like it sold out almost immediately. I want to know like who bought that like pages like that, like where it's a fan who's fucking always wanted like Nightwing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Dick and Barbara getting together and like you put it in the comic and they're going to buy the original page and it's like, the, like their wife's like, no, we can't do that. Fuck you. You don't understand what this means to me. It's like our kids in yeah. college right now. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like so I need this page. The Nightwing fan who's been hate reading White Knight since 2017, <laughs> who has four thousand dollars to spend on a page, is finally getting it. Like, all right, Sean, you and I are good, and yeah. I'm going to spend four grand on you. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I think there's dude. like one guy out there, and I think he bought that page. <laughs> yeah, it has to. I, I, that's what I want. I want. To, I want to know the people that like. That that and that's kind of funny too, because like that's that's interesting. Is like you're giving people like little pieces of like their childhood or fandom, whatever you might want to call it that like they never thought would happen, you know, mm. stuff like that. Like that's, I have, um, I have a page of the, of the 89 Batmobile from the first edition that you did just cause it's the fucking 89 Batmobile. Oh yeah. You got to go. You know one. what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. Go. And it's, so it's like, Dude. it's like you have to, you have to get uh, it, you know, cover seven. There okay. it is. Oh. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, you guys that was another face. question. The Zorro stuff. So like, you're, you were teasing some of the prelims of the covers for the Zorro stuff. Um, do you plan on having that, like, as... Like, are you going to do that as, like, what you normally do, which is, like, you're going to throw it up on your big cartel or whatever? Or are you planning on, like, taking that with you to, like, San Diego? Or how can fans... if they ha- I'm not even sure if this, this some of this stuff's available yet. <laughs> AKA, how, how can we buy it at San how Diego? How do fans have the opportunity to, if so, it becomes available, get on that? Yeah, uh, well, it's all on my Big Cartel page. Right um, now? No, not right now. Okay. Uh, issue one is sold already. 
Oh, uh, shit. A guy, one of my buyers in France bought it because he's no. going to have a gallery in uh, Paris. So I'm going to be going back to France next year to do a gallery show because he'll have all of issue one. Nice. Um, issue two and three might be sold through the Kickstarter. So there'll be a tier where wow. if you spend, I don't know, X amount, you get an average page, which may or may not have Zorro on it. It's just part of the risk, right? So uh, we will probably be doing that with some of the pieces. And then the one issue I'd like to save from retirement, but uh, mm. yeah, there might only be like 40 at most uh, that might hit the market normally. But exactly. here's some inside baseball too. Um, uh, so the art market has like dropped down 10 or 20% right now, right? Mm. Uh, and when I took on Zorro, people are like, oh man, you're not going to get Batman prices out of your Zorro. What are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'll sell Zorro for like two thirds, my Batman stuff. Like, I don't expect to get Batman prices out of this. And, you know, I want my buyers to be happy. I don't want to gut anybody. Um, so I was planning on holding most of the Zorro stuff back until the market returned. Um, because putting out pages for sale and not selling is a bad look. So when my buyer from France wanted to buy issue one, I'm like, great. It just clears all that issue off the market. So I don't have to worry about that. And then if we offer another chunk of it through Kickstarter, for like two thousand bucks a page, like that's a pretty decent price for for my stuff. It doesn't have Batman on it, so like I want the Zorro pages to be cheaper than the Batman pages, but I don't want to disrespect Zorro at the same time. No, so it's kind of like this, like good I'm not really sure. There's a weird math going on right now, and I'm kind of watching the market to see. That's what, a very what good point. But the you crazy know, thing know. is, Zorro's valuable to a certain chunk of collectors, but most yeah. normies don't care. Mm. Now, you, know yeah, how you, get, uh, you know how you get Quentin uh, his attention when when they do put a copy of this in his hands. Draw include draw some shit with women's feet. Yep. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, did you? Zorro's sexy uh, nail polish on his toes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like everyone knows he's in defeat, and like the guy put a scene in from Dusk Till Dawn where someone drinks what beer or wine or something oh, from Jesus. Selma Hayek's foot and, and he cast himself in the role. <laughs> what a legend. What if, Absolutely. What if he isn't? And what if he's like, fuck man, everyone thinks of what if he's hooking up with a girl and she's like, I know you're in defeat. And he's like, honestly, I'm not. I don't know why Reddit thinks I am. I was just messing with people. Uh, yeah. Well, it's like, I'm a, I'm a boob guy. I don't know why people thought I was in defeat. <laughs> It's like maybe it's a gimmick that he just did for a laugh and it took off and now he just yeah. has to do it and it's not yeah. even what he Now he's a joke. Yeah, yeah. it's just a goof. Like his tombstone will be a giant foot. And he'll be like, fuck. <laughs> oh. I thought I the, had anything planned uh, out, but I guess I didn't. The dude in France, the dude in France that bought the whole first issue, is that the same guy that bought like all of your non-Batman stuff a couple of uh, years back? Yeah. Same guy? Yeah. So this this dude is just like, just he, he just said, hey man, Whenever you put something out, like give me first dibs on first issue, you know, whatever it may be. So I don't do first dibs because if buyers find out that other buyers are getting access, you can't do that. You have to try to make it fair. So that's why I had most of the stuff hit the market at the same time. And I would try to, no one cares about this, but I would try to do I care it, about it where if you're in France or in um, Europe, you would still be awake and you would have the same shot at clicking on something as someone in New York or L.A. So we try to um, post things at the right hour where everyone could jump on it. Um, and it wasn't to try to scare up competition or for me to, you know, be a dick. It was just like, I don't want people getting mad that they think I'm playing no, favorites. To be so fair. Yeah, and um, if it's this art isn't, so I only put out six pages just because I wanted <laughs> to, to control, to constrict the flow of the product. 
sound like a drug dealer now. Um, <laughs> in a way you are. You sound like Todd McFarlane with limiting those Batmobiles. You yeah, people have their habits, you know. You make them only 30. Just put 30 out of time. Without a speech impediment. <laughs> Remember that time uh, Bad Horse Tom made fun of retarded Tom McFarlane with his speech impediment? You got to throw the R word in there, too, huh, Sean? Okay. Making the censor work extra tonight. Remember, remember when we had Todd on the show and you told me you didn't believe we had him on? You thought it was us doing impressions of him? <laughs> did you actually have Todd on the show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, you, I, I you, comment, you commented when I posted about it and you said, you didn't actually have him on the show. That was you guys doing impressions. Honestly, I want to hear that version. <laughs> Dude, we should make an episode where it's just everyone's doing an impression of Todd. Let's just get you drunk. Just four Todds in a room. Go and then like get him on like randomly. Yeah, one of Man, them God. is real Todd, and at the end, it's hysterical. He'd be like, "Are you guys That's making fun of me?" Uh, it He's would be like the time uh, I photoshopped a picture of Dan DiDio to be wearing one of our T-shirts, that and it so came good. out too well, and it looked real, yeah. <laughs> and everyone thought it was real. Yeah, <laughs> nice. That's so good. Even him. Uh, I don't remember wearing that, but hey, it give pretty me good a shirt. Give it to him. Yeah, yeah. you have to get that attention now. But you, you you were saying uh, you were saying the um, everyone getting a fair shake for the art. Oh yeah. But, so we put out six art six pages at once, uh, and then if what you wanted isn't there, you just write to my dealer and ask him, and that's how it worked. Fucking smart. That's smart. Yeah. Right, so um, that. Go ahead. Do you know this guy? This this guy. I'm I'm assuming you probably know yeah. him. Like pretty. Have you got? You were in Europe, so did you go like and see him? And obviously yes. he's a fan. You Hardcore. were reunited with the, with the work with the art. Yeah, we went to all the eyes wide shut parties together. If that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you guys are yeah, no, he's, uh, going he, in. I uh, I won't say his name, but uh, yeah, he's one of a handful of people that are in the trade. And mm-hmm. if uh, you're looking for stuff, he probably knows who has it and can find it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get to a certain level of art, uh, buying art Collecting. like this. Yeah, like the good stuff doesn't even hit the market. It's all in back rooms and stuff yeah. like that. It's it's crazy, and a lot of it is used as like hiding money and tax, you know, like Very Swiss bank accounts. Like there's a Saudi prince who buys art, but he buys it through a, a a third party, so no one knows who he is. And I don't even think he likes Jack Kirby, but he just likes to buy those pages because he knows they're going to go up. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Like you're you're talking wow. like a very rare. Uh, um, rarefied air yeah you know what i mean he he um he's planning on putting that first issue of zorro as like a gallery you said in france but does he have does he have any of your other stuff on display like that um yeah either yeah yeah he probably will he's gonna get a lot of artists to do zorro pinups as well so he makes it more festive um my french publisher uh is urban comics they've been doing my stuff for a while Great, uh, fucking they're, great they're, publisher. So they're, uh, I know those guys are friends. Um, I've known them for like a decade. They're going to do a special edition just for the gallery. So because everyone in France who's into this knows each other, there's ways to like play with the dials to make money in different okay. ways. Yeah, That's kind of how it works. That's cool. That's cool. And because I know the, the publishers, because I call the shots, because – like I'm able to help them more, which is why I, I get these deals. Like it, it's not that it's not like they just knock on my door and propose this stuff. Like I've known them for years and gone to dinners and bought them drinks and you know we've got good real friendships and we know the right people, the right printers. Like this is all like a decade in the making. All this stuff, you know. Mm. 
That's great, man. That's like I it's 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 got to be wild like to you do this stuff, you know, as you're living. Um yeah. sometimes I'm sure you think like, man, how the fuck did I get to do this? And you're doing it. Yeah. And yeah. then you got a dude halfway across the world that's like <laughs> buying your stuff and then like doing a gallery of it and then like you're going and I'm assuming he's going to invite you, you know, whenever it gets displayed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's got to be wild. Is like, wow, like people are not only yeah. like like reading my shit but like they're collecting it and now it's like as part of a gallery you know yeah no it's i so i went to uh france and italy this year i did a tour a signing tour in france to like six different cities Uh, i went to le mans i slept in the same room that christian bale rented when he was shooting uh ford versus ferrari what um uh you know uh yeah, and then going to Lake Como in Italy. Um, this is all on their dime. Uh, you definitely get to feel. I've felt like rock star treatment uh, <laughs> a handful of times. I'm talking first class tickets, all of it. Um, 20, 30 year bottles of wine, um, stuff you can't say no to. It's just it's insane. <laughs> um, and I'm not bragging. Really, it's like it's because I got into this thinking this is a life of poverty. Uh, and it mostly is for most people. So I really try to be appreciative of all this stuff. Um, yeah, you were you know, doomsday still, prepping at one point. I still am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's cool to, to travel for a few days. But, man, after a while, you, like, get up at 7. You know, you're still on your five, you're jet lagged. Get on a train. I have a, a manager slash road uh, person. She's my translator. And she's just like, make sure I get on the train. Go to this town. Arrive. Uh, shake hands with all the people in the shop. Go to lunch. Don't drink too much. Go sign for she's two with or four you? hours. Yeah, yeah. That's and smart. And um, you know, it's if doing these tours with a group is fun, but doing it by yourself, it's like very fixated. Just it's kind of lonely in a way. And uh, I hate to complain about like five star travel and all that, um, but <laughs> it's it's cool for a day. And then it's like, man, these this is great, but I'm exhausted. I'm not yeah. eating well. Um, I don't know. I can't remember anyone's name anymore. I'm not used to using my voice this much. Um, everyone's appreciative. You know, people are breaking down in tears because of Batman. And uh, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's, I can see why this goes to artists' heads. Like, mm. if people are feeling like cock of the walk based on Twitter likes, um, like, I'm primed to be an arrogant motherfucker at this point. So it's just like extra, <laughs> extra reserves of humility to be like, no, no, they're just, I'm, it's Batman. It's not me. I say thank you. This is a blue collar job. You know, you, you go home, you put, you know, put your pants on one leg at a time. You know, like trying to remind yourself how to not lose touch with this is still a very low rent industry. The fans are, you know, the reason why I have everything, never be rude, always be gracious. You know, it takes yeah. extra effort to remind yourself to like to keep it chill, you know, and I think um, that's where a lot of creators go wrong is they get all excited about getting likes or being favorited or whatever it is. And it's just, yeah, it's hard to have like a yeah. ego to like be like, no, 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 I'm not as great as you think I am. But thank you. The the ones that I feel like are still around and are still killing it and are still lasting are yeah. the ones that have that mentality where they they don't let it get to their heads. Yeah. They are always appreciative of the fans yeah. and they make a point to show yeah. that whether it's at a con or yeah. wherever. Yeah. You know, like and we were talking about um, this is just an example. Like sure, yeah, you know, I I went to I went to Disneyland today, right? And I remember. 
being to, and I didn't know who the person was, but it was like a celebrity of some sort that was being mm-hmm. taken around, and like I didn't know who it was, but four or five people stopped them for like photos while they were there, and I remember thinking like, "Fuck, man, like that's got to be weird and like yeah. awkward yeah. to have to live that life where like you're." But this person, whoever they were, were mm-hmm. so gracious to those people. Yeah, and in my head, I'm like, those fucking fans are. That's gonna be whatever this guy is. He's gonna be their favorite now, yeah. because it's like yeah. they're gonna be like, I this guy gave me this fucking moment, and it was better mm-hmm. than what I would have expected. He was super cool, and yeah. like, you, you, and it's it, it like it, it's word of mouth really. Like, um, yeah, I forget who it was, but there was this like band guy. I remember I was at I was at um, an event, you know, for a label. And the guy was there to do, like, he was promoting his, uh, it was Nergal from Behemoth, if anybody knows. Um, it's Polish black and death metal band. And I remember, like, everyone was, like, lining up to, like, take photos of him. And I was yeah. like, oh, I don't want to bother him. I'll wait till there's, like, a lull, you know, and say hi. And then there was. And I went up to him mm-hmm. and I shook his hand. I was like, hey, man, love the new album, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, do you want to take a picture? And I was like, wow. Like, I just kind of, like, I wasn't going to ask, wasn't going to bother. But he's like, yeah, let's take a picture. I was like, okay. Yeah. And then he yeah. took my phone. He took my phone and he like took a selfie. Like, hey, was the one that was holding it. And I was like, this guy, like, this guy must have talked to Murphy or something. Like, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, this guy knows about like, like, uh, what do you call yeah. it? Like, you know, like, yeah, that mentality. Had a friend, yeah. I mean, if if you're and that's a real celebrity, not a comic book celebrity, but I think the writing is on the wall with social media. If you're a dick, it's gonna get out fast now. <laughs> if you don't tip well, that waiter is gonna talk about it. If you fuck yeah. over the, the taxi driver, yeah. he's gonna go online. So you almost have to like tip extra just to like go out of your way to make sure everyone knows I'm cool. And there's people that do it very well and people that do it horribly. And there's like nobody in the middle. <laughs> yeah, James Corden. He's like the like I never knew it. There's nothing but bad bad stories about yeah. James Corden being a dick, and it's like, wow, yeah. that's crazy. And that's, yeah, I didn't know this either. Yeah, he got that's like terrible. A, a talking to somebody, like I don't know what happened, but the internet was just like, yeah, he's a dick, and here's why. And uh, yeah, yeah, even Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, yep. yeah. Oh Jesus, on the, on the nose, both of yeah. you guys. Yeah, Patrick Stewart yeah. gave him a fucking like fucking change your tune, motherfucker. Him. Yeah, oh. shamed him on stage. Crazy. Yeah. And then he tried to give Patrick Stewart shit, and it was like, nope, he's Sir Patrick Stewart. He's yeah. That yeah. asshole. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't know why. I mean, it took, so when I used to go to shows, I remember being really awkward, and I, when no one's there at all, it's a bummer. So it gets into your head. I remember I was, uh, one time, people would just come up to me and start filming, and I found that really irritating and intrusive. This is like in 2000, like three, 2000. Uh, four or five so like camera phones were kind of new mm. um and i remember looking up and being like i'm sorry would you mind not videotaping me i'm just really uncomfortable and people were like oh okay like they thought it was weird but they were nice enough to put their phones away and i i think about that now like i would never ask someone to do that now um and i, I just i think it just took years of practice to get good at this stuff like how is how are good are you at handling people like are you okay with being at disneyland with people coming up to you does your wife and kids, do they know we're going to get on the roller coaster, but there's probably going to be like 12 people. They're going to want to talk to your dad and it might eat up like 10 minutes of time. Like, are we okay with that as a family? Like that, that's conversations that people actually have. And there's like a yeah. method of doing it that I think is really fascinating, but it takes practice, honestly. And you know, honestly, everyone like fucks up every now and then and gets caught in a bad moment and says, you know, is a little bit rude or short to one person, but 
Yeah, it's but really it, interesting. As you mentioned, like technology changes, right? We went from yeah. flip phones recording to like now we have like everyone has a phone and this, everyone yeah. everyone wants to record an experience and it it's a it's a different experience for a lot of people. Yeah, and there's no way to go to if you want to be successful in comics, you just have to be okay with people. Uh, liking your shit or unliking your shit or trying to dunk on you, or maybe they're just dunking on you just to get attention, but they don't mean it. Maybe they're just awkward without realizing it. Uh, maybe they don't, they don't know how to react. If you're trying to get Everyone's coffee. different. Yeah. I mean, like they, they're, they're coming from a good place. It's yeah. just a question of like how much patience do you have? And it's hard too, because comic folks are very, you know, you're working inside alone. Most of the day, you're not good at socializing. You're already like lined up for a, a fuck up. You know, it's not like you're hypersocial in the first place. So to deal with this well over and over, like to what Tom was saying, I mean, I've never hung out with uh, John Romita Jr., but knowing the legacy he's had, I bet he's a pretty cool guy that has a way of handling this stuff because there's no way you're that big in this industry for so long without being a cool guy, you know? He seems fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you'll hear bad stories about anyone because anyone can have a bad day. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, good, you never know if you call someone Yang, that right? Joker. Yeah, like uh, John one. Byrne has a ton of bad stories to the point where it might be earned. Um, if I heard a bad story about Klaus Janssen or John Romita Jr., I'd be like, "Nope, you're either yeah. misunderstanding or they had a bad day." Like, I I don't believe you because those yeah. guys there'd be threads about it, and there aren't. You know, mm, yeah. <laughs> plus Klaus is amazing. Yeah. Plus, Klaus is amazing. <laughs> Have you ever heard? Did, did we ever tell you about uh, Bruce oh. Tim's bad day? No, I bet he's had a few. I can see Bruce uh, oh. being a little prickly. <laughs> the, so, speaking of, has he, been, has he been a guest? First of all, has he been a guest? Uh, no. abs- Robin. I try- <laughs> well, let me tell you the story. Here we the go. Brief, the brief interview we did with uh, with Bruce Tim. Tom was there. It was at yep. San Diego. Yeah. Uh, I asked Tom. Uh, I asked Bruce if he would be on the show. He said no. And we had yeah. a, an awkward five yeah. seconds of silence. And they said, let me tell you why. But it, it was he wasn't a dick at all. He was very nice. But yeah, yeah that, right. that, that, that was our interview with him. Robin gave him okay, a great wait, wait. pitch. But when he says no and just lets it sit for five seconds, like he's allowing you to think he's a dick. Yeah. Yes. And you think he's going to go in and spin it. But like he shouldn't have done that first line. I mean, he might not be a dick. <laughs> that, that was the funnest the part of it, though. Way. Yeah. That, that, wasn't even, that wasn't even the story. Of his no. bad day, so <laughs> I I don't no, know that if was, was my bad day. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Robin gave him a great like quick pitch, great quick pitch, very friendly quick pitch, yep. and then he's like, "Would you?" He goes, I was "Just wondering if you'd like to come on and be on our show." And uh, Bruce him, no, like no, and but then you know he he gave his and then pitch. he gave it, and his reason was great for it too, and I understood. Yeah, what was his he, reason? Uh, well, at that point, I he hadn't. Like he hadn't you. <laughs> well, well, that that was you know we we knew that going in. I don't do but, podcasts. Uh, so his, at that point, he didn't have any projects he was working on. You know, there was nothing, and he said, you know, okay, well, no offense to you, but I I've done one project in the last twenty five years that everyone wants to ask me the same questions about, and I give the same answers for. Mm-hmm. And 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 I get that. Yeah, why does he want to come on and spend? an hour talking about the same thing he was talking about in, in the nineties. Yeah. Right, at that point, can you be like, we have a whole new kinds of questions that you've never heard before. <laughs> you know, we're we're going to ask you about dildos. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. 
There, there was a, another story. I don't know if it was that same San Diego or a different one, but uh, Legends and another one of our buddies, Sean Risley, he has become one of the biggest gets as far as like original art. You know, like everyone wants to get his original mm-hmm. art. And it used to be where you uh, get to his table at San Diego. He's usually there for every day. You get to his table, you put your name down on a list, and you put down what you want him to do. And he does, I think it's like a eight and a half by 11. He doesn't do anything other than that, you know, in person. He does like, he'll do an eight and a half by 11 head sketch. And he will uh, allow up to like 15 to 20 people on the list. And mm-hmm. it's, if he wants to do it, he'll do it. And you'll know if you come back throughout the show and he's done it and your name has a check, yes. And so wow. it, it, it just right. got out. Like it got out that like you can go down to San Diego, you can put your name on a list for a head sketch from Bruce Tim. And I think at the time, like it was like 120 bucks, right? 120 bucks for a quick for a head sketch. And it looks beautiful. It's like a beautiful, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a beautiful ink sketch, whatever, head sketch. And it looks iconic. You know, it's Bruce Tim's iconic style. Yeah, yeah. And for about four or five years, I remember, like, it was that easy. You go down there, put your name on the list, first come, first serve. It fills up to about 15 or 20. If he wants to do it, he'll do it. He gives it to you. That's it. And word got out over a couple of years, social media, whatever. And every year, people literally fight to get down to his table. And they fight to put their name down. And they become how people become, you know, when they want to be the Mm -hmm. first person, they want to get whatever. So he was becoming irritated by what he was seeing from fans Mm -hmm. to the point where he completely changed it. So no longer can you get down there and Mm -hmm. no longer can you do first come first serve. It's whenever the fuck I want to put my name, whenever the fuck I want to put the list down, that's when I'll put it. And that's what you'll have to wait for. So you never know now, right? Yeah. It's because he's like, I don't want to see these fucking assholes come and fighting each other for a name on the list. Mm -hmm. But that made it worse. Yeah, because oh, man. <laughs> now people are getting down there and they know like it's not first come first serve i gotta wait at his table all day not knowing when he's gonna put the list out so there came a point when he it was i forget which day it was it was like a let's say it was preview nights wednesday i don't think he had put his list out until like friday or something you know and so he was just like he just wasn't having it right every day people would come by and stand by his table and he'd be like no i haven't put my list out i haven't decided yet what i want to (laughs) and so people so then people would just be waiting by his table and it turned out to a point when it was like there was like maybe 20 to 25 angry nerds at his table waiting for him to put his list out so they can write their name down and it turned into this big huge line and the 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 organizers of the show would come by his table and be like sir what is this is this a signing he's like no and they're like, well, it's causing an issue. What's, what's the deal? And he's like, I don't know what they're waiting for. They're just, they're being impatient. And they're like, well, you have to move them. He's like, why is it my responsibility to move them? And it just caused this issue where like, you know, the hmm. staff was getting mad. He was getting mad. The fans were getting angry Yeah. to the point where I don't remember how it happened, but Legends and Sean both witnessed somebody at the table trying to hand him a Funko Pop and him being so angry that he took the fun Funko Pop and he fucking threw it back in their fucking head. Like, oh, he literally okay. threw it at their head. No it's way. Like, yeah. Which, which it, Funko was it? 
I have no idea. <laughs> like a pointy. I uh, believe it was Bart Simpson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was just like it was. It was like because I, I think at some point, like the fans were like fighting each other to be by his table. Like people were pushing. They were pushing the table. He was behind the table. He was getting angry, and it kind of yeah. turned into that. And That's it was just like tired. He's, he's going to be tired now. He's he's saying he's not doing more cons. <clears throat> not he's probably disillusioned by it because. Um, uh, and he doesn't want to announce anything until you know whatever. Yeah, because of that craziness. Yeah. Like, so like, kind of what happened his... with peace in New York last year. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Why deal with that again? Now his art dealer will just like uh, make it known, like, okay, here's all the pieces that he's done pre-show, and here's where it's located. You can come and you can bid on it or whatever. And now mm-hmm. his shit just goes for fucking insane, you know, prices yeah. like. And it's why because you'll you'll look and see what he does it on, and he'll do it on like you know he'll do it on eight and a half by eleven pages, and then sometimes it's just like like graph paper or line paper. No joke, dude. Yeah, it's on graph paper and line paper. It's like oh shit, right. but people are still going crazy because it's like yeah, it's like uh, you know it's um, you know what's it what's it it's like uh, Andrea Beaumont. What's 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 her character? Uh, oh, Phantasm. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So people will just go crazy yeah. over it. I think yeah. it's it's a it's a good problem to have, and I, it's frustrating for fans because every artist has their own rules, and the artists act like you're supposed to know the rules. Like, don't you know? I'm not saying that Bruce did this, but uh, I I feel like a lot of artists be like, "This is what I do. Don't you know that? Like, why would you <laughs> think that I would just be here to say?" They, and as a collector, you just have an empty sketchbook, and you're like, "Listen, man, I got a pocket full of cash." I want a bunch of Spider-Man sketches. Can you do it or not? And like, I understand how frustrating it is as, as a fan too, especially when the rules of these creators changes throughout the year and from show to show. Like, I don't know what the solution is. I just, so I just hope Bruce doesn't get blamed. Other than the thing he threw with that guy, he does he gets blamed for that. <laughs> but like, I just hope people don't Maybe get that guy had it coming. Him. I mean, this guy is in high demand. He's trying the best he can. I mean, there's always going to be someone that's like, oh, come on, can't you do X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 pay you extra. Please, 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 you don't understand. And then that person flips it a, a day later. Um, mm, it's true. Yeah, yeah, I, that, yeah. yeah. I, I wonder how much he was getting pissed about that, too, because that was happening like crazy. Like, people yeah, would get down it. there. Yeah, they, they, they'd bring down their families, and they would yeah. they would like have mom. Mom signs one. I get one, dad gets one, and then we all flip it the next day. So, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the funniest no solution there, you know. <laughs> the funniest one that I ever saw was um, I went down there when the first year I ever went down there. I was like, oh, you know, put my name down for Harley, and he did it. And I was like, ooh, sick, got a Harley from him. And then I'm looking at the list of other people. It's like Harley, Batman, Croc, and then people are like, and you know, he, his name's right there. So you have your name, you have the character you want, and it's like, mm-hmm. um, you know. Joseph, whatever, Batman. And he puts yes, and it's done. Yeah. And he's got like, you know, Jacob, whatever, Harley. It's like, yes. And then someone put, um, you know, like Mark something, and he put Godzilla. And then he just crosses the name out and he goes, no, exclamation point. <laughs> it's like, well, now I want to know. It's like, does he hate Mark or does he hate Godzilla? Fuck you, Mark. Oh, <laughs> Godzilla for John. <laughs> Because because then, then it's like, yeah. what does that mean? No yeah. exclamation point for Mark's Godzilla. What does that mean? <laughs> so uh, funny. So here's a story from behind the table. Uh, so I go to Lake Como in Italy, which is like, if you've ever seen the James Bond movie where James Bond's like chilling at a villa inside of a beautiful Italian lake, that's Lake Como. 
It is like a uh, postcard, beautiful northern Italy. Yeah. And the show is like the jewel. Um, it's like the Holy Grail in a way. It's an artist-only show. Yeah. It costs a lot of money to get in. They only sell a thousand tickets. They have a big facility with plenty of space. So um, artists are like climbing over each other to try to get to the show. Uh, and I've been turning the show down for years um, because I don't like airplanes. And I don't like flying. Yeah. So this past year, they got me to go, and I decided, okay, I'll do a tour in France, and I'll take a train to Italy, and I'll, I'll do the Italian show. And uh, I really didn't know what to expect. So um, my thing at shows is normally I'll just do a, a windows of signing. So I line everyone up at once, uh, and everyone could just come through quickly. I'll sign your shit. I'll sell you something, handshake, selfie, whatever you need. Um, but I do it that way because I, I don't like to linger. Um, and when I went to this show in Italy, it completely threw off my system. Um, so I, I show up and, uh, I've got a good table, good, good spot and everything, but there's like two chairs in front of my table. So it's like inviting people to sit down and chat with me, which I, I'm not good at that. Um, I took a list of like 20 commissions, which I never do, but I was told that this, because it's an art show. It's an art show. Yeah. So I I have to work. So I'm like, okay. And I'm not really sure how this works. I'm sitting next to like Art Adams and people who, you know, know what they're doing. Um, So I'm trying to draw the first commission and people just keep coming up, sitting down and chatting. And like, I cannot do two things at once. Like, I wish I could be like Mateo Scalera and just chat you up while I'm drawing or a lot of art is good at it. But like, I just can't do it. Like, I'm good at focusing on the drawing. So day one, I was exhausted because I got nothing done. My wife was there. She's supposed to be there for like an hour, but she stayed all day just taking orders from me. And while I'm trying to get work done, people are sitting down and chatting. And there's like people lining up in order to sit down and chat. So I'm like, why do I even have a table? Like, why can't I just have a room with two chairs and just chat with people? But like, I understand as a customer, if you spend all this money to go there to have this like... um personal connection to creators this is what you want like i get why they're in heaven but like i am was not miserable but i was so confused by like how am i going to get these commissions done like i can't take these things home i got to get them done while i'm in europe so day two came along and i decided to have like drawing windows where i would draw and no one was allowed to talk to me and i felt like a dick but i'm like i don't know what to do about these things um yeah i don't know it was uh... I don't know if anyone's getting anything out of this story, but like the, the reason I have a line set up is so I can deal with people all at once and you can go away and then I can do drawings back in my hotel room. Like drawing in front of people isn't something I've had to do with shows for like 10 years. So I felt That's like gotta be super anxiety provoking. But it sounds like a very entitled thing. Like very yeah. few artists listening are gonna have any any sympathy for me. Um, well, there's there's a difference. No, I, like, I, I don't think you so. care about your art. Like if you're if you care about your art and you really care about the person's paying for. Mm-hmm. You're very um, committed to what you're going to do for them. Right. Um, there's other artists who's just like, all right, cool. You're paying for this. All right, cool. Give me like, you know, give me like five minutes and I'm, I'm going to give you this. Yeah. Not Dude. yours. And yeah. I, and I, I've seen this, uh, of course, uh, across the board on various um, cons that I've been to, went through. And there's a difference. Um, I, I've seen you draw, right? Quiz sketches, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I saw what you did at Lake Como, and I'm over here like, holy shit. That's not like a five, ten minute thing. Yeah. Like that, that, that takes a lot of time. Yeah. And um, of course, uh, people are paying for that. 
holy, like, holy hell. Like, all right. And in my head, I even told the katana, I was yeah. like, hey, if that was an option, I'll pay for that 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, if in New York, I would have paid for it. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Um, when I, when I, when I compare it to what you do to other cons, when you do quick sketches, I'm like, you know, um, uh, what you did at Lake Como is uh, minimal still, because uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a minimal charge for what it, it took you to do that. Because, man, you were doing full, like, uh, cover sketches and like your batmobile and batman over yeah. it and all this thing it was yeah it was glorious like holy hell like jesus and i um, love drawing that stuff I, I had colored markers with me i never do color i did yeah. full body backgrounds like quick bullshitty backgrounds but i was charging 400 each and i know that's uh cheap but i didn't i wasn't there to gouge people like i made a lot of money yeah. last year i don't need to, to be a dick but um even with it's my like, relaxed prices like i just had a, a line of people and they would like i'd like a daredevil i'm like great see you later and they're like nope and they would sit down and want to oh. chat with me while i draw i'm like i'm sorry dude like i can't talk to you right now. Go, yeah. go the fuck away so i can draw your daredevil but you can't say that to people you know like i don't have a system that's where um, everyone's different too it's like I, I see it as like you know like tapping your head and and, and rubbing your belly like the, <laughs> I, i'm always blown away at some of the artists that we talk to mm-hmm. that like the things they're doing while they're drawing, you know, like how the fuck can you do that? Because I can't, I'll, if I'm on the phone, I have to stop walking or I'll fall on my fucking face, you know? So it's just, I can totally understand it. You know, that's like, you know, I'm not sure if you've ever seen other artists, but I've seen like, um, I remember one time, like I had Chris Burnham, right? Like he, he did a sketch for me. And then like, I, I, I took the sketch and then I had like a Jacques, like he Jock was doing something at some booth and I just had it like tucked under my arm while I went to go get the one from Burnham. And he goes, can I see that? And I was like, yeah, I showed it to him. And he's like looking at it and he goes, how long did it take him to do that? And I was like, uh, like five yeah. minutes. And he just Chris got is, mad. Chris he got is mad. So yeah. I know he, he say, he'll say it too. He'll say yeah. it too. And, yeah. and yeah. he, he looked at him and he was like looking at my Jock and he goes, he did this in five minutes. I go, yeah. And he goes, fucking Jock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Chris, yeah. the reason he's not a bigger name, he's just, he's very slow and uh, meticulous and his stuff's bulletproof. It is absolutely yeah. amazing. But yeah. I love his yeah. stuff. Oh, he yeah. does a good Sean, exploding head. Uh, he does Sean. a great exploding head. Sean, back to what you were he doing. killed the fuck yeah. out of Damien. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened is um, a lot of people, when when you rec- when people request what you were doing at Lake Como, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a cap. Because then you know, it's like, hey, listen, I can only do 10 of these a day yeah. and uh, 10 people do this, whether it's the first 10 people or there's a lottery and that's it. And that's what most uh, people do. Yeah. And it sucks because uh, when it comes to Lake Como, man, uh, you, you're looking at um, you know, a thousand people who have entry to this. Yeah. But uh, uh, you know, it's a learning experience for you to say, Hey, yeah. um, I can't take all on these. Um, give me what you want. Uh, there's ten of you, or twelve, or whatever your cap is. Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll knock these out, and we'll, we'll go move forward from that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good problem to have. Like I, I took stuff into the green room where it's where like artists can escape and just get a diet coke and chill. I'm trying to draw in the green room, and I have fucking Italian artists up my ass asking me questions about things, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I just cannot escape you people. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sean, Sean you made it. 
Boy, Sean, this is good to see you. I should have had Bunkos to like throw at their faces. <laughs> well, now, hey, now you'll have a bunch of Zoro ones to throw what? at people. Yeah. I, mean, I just imagine. If I start sketching at the table, because people don't usually see me do in-depth sketching, I can gather a crowd of people that will shut up and just watch, which I'm like, great, let's do an art hour. But then uh, sometimes some shows, it doesn't go that way. Like you set up an art hour and people just come over and be like, can I get a sketch? Like, of course, I'm sorry, a signature and like a selfie. And of course they're fine asking that. It's just, there's no way to to control it. And I I don't know. I just haven't cracked the code yet. I think I just need to take my commissions back to the hotel room. No, set those Mm -hmm. But the other, the, the thing that I'm dealing with too is a lot of, most artists don't write. And when people want to come up and talk to me, they want to ask about punk rock Jesus and my thoughts on religion. Story. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Like, or about Alfred and, you know, Nightwing and Babs and this and that. Like, hey, if your jock. You're talented. You're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> if you're jock, they're like, what kind of Sharpie do you like? Do you like splatter? <laughs> what kind of white? I mean, look, what is there to talk about with jock? Because he doesn't write his own stuff, really. Yeah. For most artists, it's just not a lot to talk about unless you're an artist. But if you're a writer, you're in people's heads. So I would get a lot of like in-depth people. Like I love those conversations. I wish I had time to chat, but I can't have them while I'm drawing you Wolverine at the same time, you know? Yeah. You know what? I guess like uh, the perfect way to deal with that is you have a panel. Like, you know, you do a a Q&A first. You do the Q&A first. And then after the Q and A, it's strictly you know signatures and yeah. and sketching. What's the what's your plan for um, the uh, San Diego? You said you're going to be at uh, what's this called booth? A, what, a massive booth, yeah. Yeah. What's your plan for that? Uh, I'm just going to be sitting signing. I'll do quick sketches and remarks and stuff, but like n- not taking commissions or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. The point of me being there is to promote Zorro and to help Massive. Uh, and if there's any Batman stuff I need to do, of course. But yeah, I'm not taking commissions or anything. Yeah, so if you see Sean at the massive booth, shut the fuck up. Just put your book down. <laughs> and uh, if you see, if you see... people know I'm not that guy, but when I'm yeah. struggling to figure out how do I make it best experience for the people coming up yeah. to me too, because I don't yeah. want to be the guy with his head down, not socializing. You know, like I thought about putting headphones on, people would leave me alone, but then I look like a fucking dick. You know, yeah, uh, that would well, look... uh, or or autistic. Uh, I don't think anyone sees you that way. Okay. So at the end of the day, it's like um, yeah. Italians, thank, whatever. thank God, yeah. thank God that uh, Comicsgate has elevated you to a certain degree <laughs> that that is not known about. Yeah. Comicsgate so. knows I'm pro customer. Yeah, look at my boys, <laughs> me and the neckbeards. We've got it all figured out. <laughs> oh God, oh, man. You, you know it's funny when when Comicsgate first started. I was in uh, Savannah, Georgia, which is a military town, uh, and I didn't know what Comicsgate was. Um, I knew I heard it rumbling of it and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this is. And one guy came up to me and he was like six foot four, a uh, giant red ponytail. He was like special forces. And he's like, um, so I'm like, I'm comic skate. And I was like, Oh, cool. And I'm like signing a shit. I was like, Oh, uh, you know, I don't know what that is. He's like, Oh, well, you know, we're for this and that and customer service, blah, blah, blah. And I sensed a few like right winger things in there, but I'm like, eh, you know, that's fine. Whatever. He's a military guy. He's going to be, probably conservative um and as he started talking about it more and more he goes into uh well um he tells me he's got a daughter two daughters one is an adopted uh asian daughter and and it's important that she's not white and the other is a lesbian uh so i'm like okay and i go you know i don't know a lot about comics kate but i feel like a lot of them if they're anti-gay like 
there's some stuff that comics gate is saying that you wouldn't want your daughters to see you know now it's probably the best way i could like talk to him without like flagging myself <laughs> as a liberal and shutting him down he's like oh okay that's interesting and I, I wish i knew what the hell he was doing now but um yeah, it was interesting because I've had a few people like come up to me and self-identify for whatever reason <laughs> as as comics gate. Um, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Like kick you out of my line. <laughs> Just give them the give them the okay, whatever the yeah, yeah whatever yeah <laughs> whatever the secret hand signal is. Yeah, um, whatever. Yeah, good stuff though. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked a bunch about the uh, Kickstarter. Do we know the date? Is it? Is the date public that the Kickstarter is going live? Yeah, I'm shooting for October. I want this Halloween. to be like a Halloween Day of the Dead oh, nice. type thing. Yeah, hell yeah. So that's where it's uh, – we have the page up now. You can just uh, click on it and follow it and get – it's called a landing page, I guess. Um, we've got 500 people on it. Um, the follower, the backers I had for Potholes was 3,200. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to get the Zorro followers up that high before we even launch. Um, I'd love for this to break a record. I think most of the records on crowdfunding belong to Comicscape. Uh, and, you know, I'm not judging those guys. They work their asses off. They've got their thing. Like, that's cool. It would be cool to be number one, but I don't think I'm going to be Berserker or some of the other things that have uh, happened out there. Um, but if uh, Plot Holes got to be quarter million, I'm hoping for at least like 300, 350 for Zorro. <clears throat> that's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, those those guys, they do like... Uh they do a live like they'll do like a live stream and then yeah. they'll do the launch during the live stream and they'll, right. they'll try to do that with it like right. you know incentivize yeah. yeah so there's things those guys do very well honestly there's things that they do better than it's just not mean people, people. <laughs> <laughs> aside from mean people yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, or getting their books out on time you know that too yeah i know that's fine i mean they can i mean that's at the end of the day they need to have quality product and uh a lot of people who do crowdfunding don't have quality product. I mean, you can have a live stream and get your people, you know, in your tunnel chanting the things back to, you know, whatever you can have your echo chamber, but at the end of the day, if you don't have a, a quality product, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. There's a difference between uh, doing a crowdfund for a project because that's the Avenue you're choosing and the people who do crowdfunding because their work just isn't good enough yeah. to be published somewhere. Yeah. I mean, there's Comicscape people that went all in, but then they relaxed after a while and they just got tired of the echo chamber and they just became good creators. There's people in comics who are liberals who calm the fuck down after a while and realize this is getting silly and they just put their heads down and just started working. You know, I think people are getting burned out in the culture war stuff, but I mean, we're headed for another election, so it's probably going to brew back up again. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky for you, you're in Canada. You don't care. Yeah, we we're just standing here uh, across the street watching that house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because we recently had the fire and the smoke was blown over there and you guys were complaining about it. Yeah, yeah thanks Canada. Way to get your fire. Yeah, we were. At we least it smelled like maple, maple syrup. Yeah, you can do it. It was a delicious smelling smoky maple syrup. <laughs> I wish it was maple syrup. I remember being in Toronto and a bunch of Canadians were lying to me, telling me that they dip their money in maple. <clears throat> so it has this maple <laughs> smell. And I'm pretty sure they were fucking with me. Dude. No. Hey, see, I got a story for you. So our money does have a definite scent to it. And because it is sort of reminiscent, we do like to say that it is, uh, that it is a maple syrup smell. 
So are you I, grabbing money right now in the background? Is that what that's? No, is? I'm looking for. I, I have Canadian <laughs> oh, oh, money you get, somewhere. You got some Canadian money. I know I do, because God knows how many so, times I've been to Montreal. <laughs> I was at. Uh, it was this was at San Diego, and I was talking to Mike Magnola, and I think it was his wife. Uh, somehow, you know, great detective skills noticed that I was Canadian. And she said something about she had heard that Canadian money smells like maple syrup. And uh, it's it's the $100 bills, the brown, the, their brown ink on them. Those are the I ones that somehow that. smell like maple syrup. Mm-hmm. So I pulled one of those out of my lot. And what you do is you rub it, you fold it over, and you rub it against itself to, to activate it like a scratch and sure. sniff. And then you get uh-huh. you get the smell. The, so I, 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 I activate it, and then, like. she, and then she... Uh, she takes it from me to to smell it and she goes it really does and she goes to hand it to mike and i see this happening in like you know how some things happen in like slow motion in your mind i see this happening in slow motion and like mike mcnola is gonna smell my money so i get my phone out and i turn on my camera and i snap a picture of mike mcnola smelling my canadian money he was like giggling too while he was doing yeah it. does he believe you about the maple syrup he did he said it really does and then months later i don't know it might have been like a year later or something uh someone had had started a a thread about thanksgiving like things you're thankful for and mike had replied to it so then i replied to mike and said i'm thankful for this photo of mike mignola smelling my canadian money and mike (laughs) replied to it and says smells like maple syrup (laughs) (laughs) that's fucking funny uh we've been here to talk about zorro Man of the Dead, the Kickstarter is upcoming. Look for it in October. We've we've been looking at these. If you're watching on YouTube, you've been seeing these images. You've been seeing lots of stuff. But check it out if you like. If you backed plot holes or if you missed it, get on board with this one. There's lots of great uh, perks coming up. Thanks, I got the uh, I got the artist edition of plot holes. Getting the the full version of Zorro. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Yeah, if you can follow the campaign now it hasn't launched yet but will in october and we'll have a bunch of goodies for you uh we learned a lot from plot holes so i'm gonna do that 100 page artist edition 11 by 17 should be pretty glorious hell yeah Uh, yeah take it from there and then maybe after that get back to batman and superman awesome well that was uh sean murphy zorro kickstarter this was bat force radio thanks for listening we'll see you next time (laughs) Ha <laughs>